0: All my mates live in town, uh, so I used to come here quite a lot. And I remember seeing this place, and I saw umbrellas on the ceiling. And then like, I saw that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to start hanging out there when it opens.
1: Today, we're in Scunthorpe in Café Independent. You can't miss it, it's impressive. Housed in an old department store, its four glass-fronted stories stare down the high street. The aesthetic is modern industrial, with a nod to the challenges of the northern climate. 50-odd brightly coloured umbrellas hanging from the ground floor cafe ceiling.
2: It's a really cool thing when people come in, they always want to talk about the umbrellas. Some people I think are a bit scared by them, but we like them, they look cool. But that was one of the first cultural things we wanted to put in the building. When we moved in, the basement was up to uh, ankles in water, and it's a little bit of an odd to that as well. And we had that much bad luck when we
1: were building that it couldn't possibly get any worse as well. I'm Neil Roberts. I've been volunteering at and lending support to community businesses over the last eight years, volunteering at a community bakery called Love Bread in Brighouse, West Yorkshire. On the Community Business Fix, I get to shine a light on the projects in which communities are coming together to transform the places they live. The Community Business Fix is a monthly podcast brought to you by Power to Change, the independent trust that supports community businesses in England you can get involved on Twitter at The CB Fix and on Facebook just search for Power to Change. We're devoting this edition to Café Independent but as you'll hear the term Café doesn't really do justice to the range of things that go on there. It's a cooperative venture with 150 members. By day it's a place that serves great coffee and is well used by community groups. By night it's a lively music venue but day or night it's somewhere the young can find a listening ear. It's also a well-used venue that's hired out for weddings and events. When you talk to some of the people sitting at the cafe tables it's reckoned they have a thousand regulars. It sounds like it was much needed. Here's Stevie, one of the young people that really benefits from Cafe Indie. It's
0: nice to get out the house, it's just one of them places where you can just hang out. The fact it's a coffee shop in a day where you can just pick up a guitar and just play it to yourself. There's always something going on here and there's always people here you can talk to and that, so it's just a good environment.
1: Scunthorpe, you probably already know, is in the northeast, close to Grimsby and Hull. The town was a major player in the iron and steel industries of the 19th and 20th centuries. In fact, there's mention of a forge there long before that, in the Doomsday Book. Like many industrial towns, the architecture belongs to the period of initial prosperity, and although British Steel still has a major presence there, only 4,500 people are employed in the industry now, compared to the 20,000 half a century ago. David Plumtree is Café Independence project coordinator.
3: Similar to many industrial northern towns, felt a bit of the pinch over recent years. Quite high levels of deprivation, but still a really strong sense of uh, northern working class roots and community spirit. So why choose Scunthorpe as a location for Café Independent?
1: What was there before they opened? David again.
3: There wasn't anywhere that I would want to go or uh, or things that I necessarily wanted to do and I felt that there was a real gap for people who were a a bit alternative or or just weren't into the mainstream drink-until-you-fall-down kind of economy that was here. Before the cafe, David Plumtree was involved with another project. I supported a group of young people to set up a vintage clothes store and uh, and selling art and the like as well. And the young people had uh, full control over that, they were responsible for it and I was uh, very much in the background supporting them. And they did really well, you know, for a while but uh, maybe Scunthorpe wasn't quite ready for vintage and the young people started to move on so we decided to wrap the project up and through that evaluation Speaking to young people they said uh, that they were keen to see more opportunities for work experience but they also wanted places to go and things to do and uh, and opportunities to access cultural stuff. But they also said they wanted this employability environment that had more hierarchy, more structure and was closer to the workplace because they weren't quite ready for that to just Fly with the entrepreneurial spirit. So that started to feed into this idea of the coffee and music and whatnot, and how we could uh, really provide something that was lacking for young people. The
1: clothes project then was an important step in identifying the challenges that needed to be addressed.
3: Once we had a really clear picture of that, we went to uh, decided to apply for some funding and find a funder that fitted uh, what we were trying to do, and that was the big lottery. And so we were really fortunate to open up with a really large grant over five years from the big lottery. But it's really important for me to mention that we've always been focused on sustainable independence and earning our own income. We don't want to. Um, be reliant on funders to achieve stuff because we want to be able to be dynamic and responsive and, uh, and solve problems really quickly rather than uh, always having to do what the funders want us to do. So where did he go for help and advice? I was fortunate that over the years of doing all this community development and working with young people I built up quite a strong network of people and maybe a few who owed me favours and whatnot. so When they saw what we were trying to achieve and that we were trying to do something good for the town, something a bit different, people really uh, rallied round and lent their uh, support from from their labour to their time and their skills and various things. On the business side there wasn't so much help I would say, uh, that kind of um, came from within and I think it's quite rare that you find people who are business orientated or certainly motivated in that fashion and wanting to do all the good stuff as well. So it was quite rare in that sense. One of those rare individuals is finance director Pete Mitchell,
1: who joined the team never having worked on a project like this before.
4: When I first came in, I was there to be David's conscience, if you like. We are chalk and cheese, we really are. But the the partnership and how it's grown over the last five years, we complement each other. Um, So I think to run a project like this, you can't just be one or the other. You have to have a mixture of people like me and people like David.
1: So with the core team in place, all they needed now was a venue. They made a bid on one building which failed, but then stumbled across an old
3: stationery shop on the high street, David Plumtree again. This place was open but it was enormous and I thought, no way could we uh, take on something that scale. But it was also very, very run down so we managed to uh, get it for the same price as we'd put in for the other place but recognised there was a hell of a lot more work to do as a result of that. Everybody kind of got involved from day one and when it came to transforming the building everybody got their hands dirty and mucked in. Among those who
1: mucked in were members of the local community who'd spotted the activity in the building. Fiona Kirby-Smith, now a partner that works with the cafe referring young people for support, training and guidance, was one of those who were intrigued by what was going on there.
5: At the time, me and my husband were running community projects in the local town and saw this place and had heard it was roughly going to be something for the benefit of the community. So we were really intrigued and while the work was still happening on getting the building ready, we like snuck in and had a little chat with David and the team and just really captured their heart for community. Um, It was very similar to our own and so over time just started to see it as something that would really benefit the people that we know in our community and the people that we live around and our young people particularly and so started to invite those people to join in with what was going on here
1: when david first looked at the building he didn't consider the impact the physical space would have on the whole project the building is open and airy not just in terms of the light that floods in from the floor to ceiling windows but in terms of the conversations that are going on in here. Picture the kind of massive old department store you used to get dragged around by your mum when you were a kid. Mothball it for 20 years, then open it up again and stock it with bits and pieces that mean something to you. Look, over there is an old Doctor Who box with a mirror in it. There's a small garden shed for kids to play in. On that wall, shelves of books and games. On another, pictures by local artists you can buy maybe spend some time, too, looking at the photo gallery of the place being done up. The staircases take you up from the cafe to the mezzanine, a place proudly labelled as Where Old Furniture Goes to Retire, or down to the basement, the gig space, with a stage waiting for the band to turn up. I suppose it's a kind of home from home for everyone that's welcoming and inclusive. Georgie is one of the young people that came to the cafe as a volunteer when she was in crisis.
6: I couldn't take a drink out, I couldn't look at a customer, I remember taking my first drink out and praying that this customer wouldn't talk to me and the first thing that he said was, oh so what's this place all about then? And I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't have the words to tell him, I was over, over a cafe and then I, I ran off. I was much quieter and really shy and I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself and I definitely didn't have confidence in my ability to be a youth worker and I think I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do, yeah.
1: After that tentative start, Georgie quickly became an integral member of the team, bossing the cafe and becoming a barista. She became more and more engaged with supporting the other volunteers, and a youth work apprenticeship was created for her. She's now part of the staff team, and, given what she went through herself, understandably passionate about the place.
6: I think it's important there's somewhere that anyone can come to, like, anyone at all. Like, there is no discrimination of any kind... We have volunteers who work with us that have all varying degrees of abilities. We've got such a variety of customers and groups of people that use, use the building from, like today, the baby-wearing sling library. And then we've got things such as like mental health drop-ins. We have support groups for different like physical illnesses. I think it's just nice that there's somewhere that people can go where they're welcome no matter who you are or what you are or anything.
1: Today is Thursday when Sling Library is open. Sling Library? Here's two young mums who come every month.
7: Uh, Sling Library is where we have um, loads and loads of different baby carriers and slings and we hire them out and we show people how to use them safely and... Cafe Inn is just a great venue. They, just, they, they do everything for us. They look after us, don't mind us making a mess. There's good space for the kids to play. This has been the only place we've, uh, we've ever hosted the Sling Library in Scunthorpe. I don't know where else we would go.
1: Alongside Sling Library, Thursday is also the day where the food in the cafe has a different focus. Here's youth worker Tom Powell.
2: Vegan Thursdays is a thing we, we started because there's not that many places that do a lot of vegan food in Scunthorpe and we wanted to incorporate it with our menu.
3: I come here on vegan Thursdays and have vegan food every now and then so it's great that obviously vegans are catered for so again it's kind of like you know I suppose what you would call I don't know not necessarily a minority but you know there's maybe not that many people in Scunney that are vegan so it's providing something for them so as far as I'm concerned food wise yeah it's great and there's something for me to, to have.
2: We also do pop-up restaurant nights where we will do like a secret supper. We'll also cater for people's weddings, but we also use that as a way to engage with our young people, really. And again, it gives them a different experience and different things that they can get involved with and want a trial if they want to work in a customer service industry.
1: With Christmas on its way, plans are afoot for their traditional festive get-together, which sees around 50 people that have played a part in cafe independent come together for a celebration.
2: We do it every year. It's one of the fa- my favourite things that we do. We invite everyone that's volunteered with us over since
3: the project's open to come and have Christmas dinner with us. We get them together around the table, usually with some of the local homeless people as well who've been accessing the cafe for coffee and the like uh, throughout the year and just have a big traditional dinner. Like we said
2: earlier about the family and everyone sits down for Christmas dinner, we're, we're no different from any other family with that.
3: It's a real honour that because not all of those young people certainly will get a general Christmas dinner, Um, so to be able to provide that is really nice.
1: To compete with all the other coffee shops, community cafes need to punch above their weight when it comes to the quality of their cafe. This is partly down to the choice of coffee beans, but equally important is the quality of the barista training. The teams serving up the coffee and the cake are all taking part in a programme that supports young people in developing all sorts of skills
3: including how to make the perfect latte. Here's project coordinator David Plumtree again So we work with uh, young people aged 16 to 25. We target those who have got some form of disadvantage, but it's really important to us that the project's universal and it's open to all. We love it when we've got a graduate working alongside a young offender because we really believe in the value of uh, sharing and learning from different backgrounds and experiences. Young people then come along and they get their work experience here. We provide training and youth work support around any issues. And for us it's really critical that that's not time-limited. Sometimes with our young people it takes as long as it takes. So how do the volunteers find themselves there? And what kind of work is done with them?
1: Here's youth worker Tom and supporting partner Fiona. Some of our volunteers,
2: they're self-referred. Some are referred through the Job Centre and different organisations that are also trying to help young people get jobs as well. It doesn't really matter sometimes how people get referred. It sort of matters when they walk through the door how they decide that they want to engage with the project. I mean some people just want to come and make coffee, that's fine. Some people want a place to belong which is great and that's also fine.
5: For our young people just to have a place, particularly in the social social demographic that they're growing up in, for me is really important. It's a different narrative to their day-to-day narrative. It's um, exceptionally helpful.
2: We do different work bits of work with different people like um, we do work with homeless people. Sometimes we've helped them get accommodation and we've helped like, just have a, have a conversation with them really. like Sometimes our people want a person to talk to and to feel part of a community and we're, we're happy to do that. Like, with different people that are on like different uh, spectrums and different learning disabilities. We're there people that feel lonely and struggling with their mental health. We're there and we, we try and help everybody that we can really
5: one particular guy who actually my husband knew more than me who had been around for a very long time Um he had uh, known him for a while and he had some things that just restricted him in terms of him being able to get jobs or to stick out courses or whatever and it was genuinely through no fault of his he came here and ended up on the volunteer programme that they run and just really got invested in. And now he works in a shop in the local community. Um, and so I just, I just think it's beautiful that um, Cafe Indy is really the foundation that people can go from into changing the local community and being in this local place. So transforming our town, it really is.
1: So, one of the measures of success for this community business is helping to transform the lives of its volunteers, to see them leave and go on to transform the wider community. It's cyclical. Finance Director Pete Mitchell.
4: It's seeing that transformation as when they come to you, you know, really quiet, never had a job before in their lives, and the transformation from that to what we've done for them then to go off and, you know, be contributing is amazing Uh, and that's it for me and that is why i'm here
1: there's a lot of press coverage nowadays about loneliness and social isolation and that's often taken to mean a condition only the elderly suffer but it infects the young too and cafe independent is determinedly open to those youngsters who might be feeling that isolation but maybe don't recognize it here's fiona and david plumtree again
3: we think of young people as being connected to uh, everyone throughout the Internet and whatnot, but actually a lot of them, uh, what they're doing, uh, they're going home, they're playing video games, uh, and they're not leaving the house, and they're not having the opportunity to actually meet up in person. There's often barriers to access in a lot of social spaces, even in terms of having the money to buy a drink or whatnot. And we try and remove some of those barriers and bring young people together.
5: Genuinely, some of our loneliest young people have found a real place to belong in the youth drop in particularly. Young people who have supported their friends who are transgender or who are going through things that on the front in Scunthorpe isn't an issue that you face day to day, that they've spoken up and that's actually left them quite lonely.
3: Getting young people out of these silos is truly remarkable because it seems to me that particularly young people who may be facing issues, so for example children in care or or autistic young people, often uh, autistic young people will only experience other autistic young people and the same with children in, in care. So through the volunteer program they're encouraged but also just by the nature of the beast kind of forced to uh, mingle outside of those uh, usual social networks and in person. And so developing those kind of communication skills and broader understanding of different individuals. And that's really important to us because we recognise even though our program's not time-limited, we can only be with that young person for so long. Whereas if they're forming like positive peer networks, that can last forever and that can have the bigger impact than anything we can do.
1: As we've heard in previous episodes, There's often a tension between the business and social aspects of these projects, but for their long-term survival, a balance has to be achieved. Finance
4: Director Pete Mitchell. The things that we do, the bar, the gigs and things like that, yes, we make a small amount of money on them, but the main reason we do them is, one, to train the young people up, and two, for the community.
3: The enterprise, it has to be there, you know, it pays the bills and it it makes sure that we're still able to work with the young people. So we can't lose sight of that or uh, undervalue its importance because it's uh, an enabling factor to the good stuff that we want to do. But for us it's about keeping uh, the social stuff or the soft and fluffy stuff as we call it at the forefront and making sure that that's always the focus and that's the deciding factor so the weight is slightly tipped pete provides that counterbalance to my idealism and uh, focus on the soft and fluffy and make sure that we don't take our eye off that ball and and that's really critical that we've got somebody who whose focus is that pete the financial director has to
1: make that balance work.
4: Somebody's got to pay the bills and make sure the lights are on and things like that and make sure the building's safe. And it's, it's a full-time job coming up with the ideas and making sure that that side of things is running. So you've got to have somebody else you know, on the other side to make sure that everything you know, continues to be as it should be, if that makes sense.
1: So Café Independent exists to transform the lives of the young people who come through its doors, to serve the community in different ways, to provide a creative space for artists, and to supply great coffee. But it also has an influence on those who run the place. It's hard to show on a balance sheet the value of the conversations going on in all corners of the building, but they all do have a value, and that was something that Pete, who came from a formal financial background, took a while to recognise.
4: My idea of work is you come to work, you do your job, you go home, you know, and you, you do what you should be doing, and you're good at it. Whereas the young people that we're working with, they're here to learn, and I'd, I'd never been put in that situation before where I've got somebody who is learning and maybe making mistakes and things like that. So yeah, when I first started, that was unacceptable to me, but now I, I find myself more being the person that understands that they are learning, you know, which is... A complete 360, you know, for me, um, it, it, it's it's not who I was, uh, but it, it is who I am now. You know, I totally understand the project. I know why we're here, and I know what we're here to do. Um, and I think it, it, it's difficult to explain to people. You need to give people time, and that's that's what we're all about. We're about opportunity.
1: The value of a project such as this then is sometimes hard to quantify. Which means the members of the cooperative have to be on board with the values. But who do Dave and Pete and the team actually report to?
3: Our accountability is to our, our membership and also to our funders, of course, as well. So uh, we hold quarterly member, uh, membership meetings. There's quite a strong social element to them, so they're not very dry meetings. Michael is one of the members of the cooperative. Obviously, if there's any issues that I find sort of, well, that I I feel like I should have a say in or related to me or whatever, then I can kind of voice my opinion. And also, I think there's um, I think there's opportunities to actually become a member of the board and stuff like that. And it's basically just a democratic process for all the members to get stuck in and get involved. in. Cafe
1: Independent was awarded a three hundred thousand pound grant by Power to Change to help them buy the building they're in now to secure the business's future. Joint head of programs at Power to Change, Sarah Buchanan has some useful advice on what does and doesn't work when it comes to setting up a community cafe.
7: At Power to Change, we do receive quite a lot of applications for community cafes. It's often something that that people seem to come to quite naturally as an idea for creating a space that is welcoming for everybody in the local community. And obviously there's also a very straightforward trading element to the model of a community cafe. You're going to be selling food and drink in your local community. However, it is quite difficult to make a standalone community cafe sustainable particularly if you're operating in quite a deprived area. So it's really worth thinking about, is it simply a community cafe that you want to run? Or if you're trying to meet a particular social need, like Cafe Independent, they were looking to work particularly with young people and to engage young people and provide them with a space. Perhaps there's something over and above a community cafe that you could be thinking about. Finding a space is is quite challenging, somewhere that's affordable to rent, or actually it could be that a space has become available, that it's been disused for some time. We do have quite a few applications that are looking to transfer a local asset, so a building, into community ownership and that building might be currently owned and run by the local authority or maybe it's not being used at the moment so power to change as well as offering grant funding can also offer advice and support as to how best to go about transferring that asset into community ownership we've published a success guide for community cafes and that includes seven top tips that through research and talking to community cafes uh, that are running successfully, we believe could um, help you make a success of your project. One of those would be really look at pricing your offer at the right level. Do that little bit of research into your local customer base. Really make sure that there's something on offer that will bring in as many people as you can into your cafe. But obviously also think about which of the items that you might be able to sell at a slightly higher price because you have to strike that balance between getting people through the door but also running a viable business.
1: Sarah Buchanan there. For more advice on setting up a community cafe, make sure you check the show notes. So as the day ends and the cafe begins to wind down, the action moves downstairs. David shows us around.
3: Alright, so we're in uh, the basement now which is really where uh, a lot of the evening stuff happens where the, the gig venue is And uh, so yeah, we've got the stage down here fully kitted out we've had some decent bands down here over the years from Sleeper Mods to Inspiral Carpets Funeral for a Friend um, The Beat uh, Blossoms as well and some of those up and coming bands which is always really interesting to us um, to get people just before they break rather than when they've uh, already made it at night, Café Independent serves
1: up a different, no less heady brew of entertainment to its customers. For the youth workers there, it's no less important or fun, but the work goes on.
6: It's really exciting and busy, and it's completely different to during the day, which I think it's nice to have that like clear split-off, to know that like it, it's not during the day it's not a drinking venue, it's somewhere that's nice and relaxed and chill, and then at night-time it just comes alive with music and... And it's just it's brilliant.
2: It's one of the greatest places to be in the, the world, I think. When the band's on it and there's a lot of people and they're having a good time and you can see that it's a lot faster paced. It's a lot louder, obviously, which to me is a, a great thing. Most of my work is at a night and, and stuff and the young people that we work with on the night, they really they step up to the, to the mark of having to work when it, it's busy and, and serve people.
5: I come to some of the gigs as well that they they have. Um, I've been to a few of those, which is because it's always quite, quite cheap and a lot of people that I get on with and things. So and I because I come on my own, it's a safe place for me as well.
1: For Tom Powell, fostering new talent is key to the venue's success. Some volunteers at the cafe go on to careers. Some find their lives transformed, and a few end up on the radio. We had a couple of young girls come, um, called Marcy and Morgan,
2: who uh, had just turned 16 and they wanted to get involved with volunteering and they got talking to me about music because they wanted to come like, to the gigs and events and it turned out that one of them played bass and one of them played drums and they were like, oh, yeah we want to be in a band and, and do stuff. So I was like, oh, we'll bring your stuff, we'll go upstairs, I'll, I'll set the drums up and we'll do that. So they came in, they set up, they had a jam. just with with me up here and they're now doing their own band called Finno and they're all over BBC introducing, they're doing really well in Hull. That's one of the things which I'm most proud that I've had a little bit of involvement with helping them create it and really, really proud of them.
3: On a Saturday night up uh, in Scunthorpe, you'll often see around the other bars, fights breaking out, people are excessively drunk and just usual, I suppose, city uh, nighttime behavior. And that doesn't really happen here. So we've been, uh, yeah, open five years and uh, um, we've had one punch thrown in anger here in the building in all that time. People walking through the doors kind of start to play by our rules. They recognize that it's a friendly, welcoming place. And they start to behave in that way and from football events to various things and people walk in with a certain impression and they leave that at the door and, uh, and start to relax and see the positives in everyday things, I guess.
1: David Plumtree is not a man you can imagine sitting on his laurels. He and his team took on a department store and with hard work and a strong vision, turned it into much more than a community
3: cafe. It's a place that changes people's lives. So what's next for them? The first mark is, uh, is achieving the sustainable independence, but then beyond that is what else we can do. And um, I'm starting to see uh, broader issues out there in, uh, and through collecting information. There needs to be a project that addresses homelessness. There needs to be a project around uh, accommodation and, uh, and the trades as well. So. It's not done. Uh, there's more that we can do in this community. And then beyond that, for us, it's around uh, supporting other ventures to set up in other areas and letting people learn from our experiences and all the things that we got wrong.
0: I come here like at least three, four times a week. Because it just, if I sit on my own in my room, it's rubbish. Everything just goes around in my head. I come here, just play guitar, talk to people, have a coffee. It's just, it's calm, man. It's just a lot better.
1: As we do in every show, it's time to ask a community expert for their top tips. This episode, it's Rasheen Tobin, business manager from Buzz Lockleys in Bristol. The organisation is embedded in the community of Lockleys, running three projects that work in areas such as social isolation and improving food culture. They also support the local economy by delivering employment and enterprise support. The shop window of the project is their community cafe. Here are Roisin's tips. So my first tip
8: would always be to, uh, where possible, allow yourself enough lead-in time to really ensure that the necessary engagement is delivered within the community and consulting with that community about exactly what they want to see from a particular community asset and and certainly from a social space. This is important because really the success of any any community business requires garnering that community buy-in from inception. The next tip that I would have is to really be flexible and evolve with the needs of your community. We deliver a lot of wellbeing activities from the cafe and many of those activities we've started with one idea in mind, such as our weekly games club where we had envisaged it uh, from conversations we'd had with certain members of the community as being a space where families could come of an evening or an afternoon and play games together. But actually the reality of the situation once it started is that the residents that were coming along were mostly residents with learning difficulties from the local supported living accommodation and so that is now one of our most successful clubs the next tip would be just taking the time to uh, sort of really reflect on your strategy and your initial business plan when we set up the cafe it was really hoping to provide an accessible supply line to affordable healthy nutritious food and as such we offer fruit and veg at a very very low markup and, and, and the same in the cafe but we operate in a very low-income neighborhood so it's very hard to generate a sustainable business model from that so we've had to spend a lot of time reflecting on other financial models that kind of more suit the neighbourhood in which we're based.
1: That was Rasheen Tobin from Buzz Lockleys. If you want to learn more about their story, check out the website at buzzlockleys.co.uk. And if you're near Lockleys in Bristol, pop along for a visit. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the story of Café Independent. If you're thinking about doing something similar or in the middle of your community business adventure, Get the latest news on events, grants and support on the Power to Change website. That's powertochange.org.uk We'll be adding links and other useful information on the show notes for this episode and you can also connect with us by following on Twitter at The CB Fix. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show and your stories about community activism. Don't forget to subscribe to the Community Business Fix in your favourite podcast app and give us a share, like and review. Once you're subscribed, it will mean you won't miss our next episode, where we'll be finding out how the people behind community businesses look after their own health and well-being. You've been listening to a fieldwork production commissioned by Power to Change. It was presented by me, Neil Roberts. Research and production by Curtis James. Sound and music by Simon James. Writing and executive production by Chris Paling.